Original Sin by Lydia Michaels is on sale right now for 99 cents. It's the first book in the Order of the Vampires. Adam Hartzell has always been an honorable immortal, but the fine line between right and wrong begins to blur when he is called to his true mate. If he does not find and claim her soon, he will lose his soul and humanity. Transforming into a vile predator controlled by insatiable bloodlust, sentenced to a demonic and tortured eternity as a vampire. Adam sets out on a quest to hunt his mate and claim her before it's too late. His salvation relies on his destined mate's surrender, but when she refuses to cooperate, Adam must set aside his morals and do what is needed to survive. Time's slipping away with his control, and his territorial instincts refuse to let her go. Annalise Snow awakens on a primitive farm removed from modern civilization and in fear of her life. Her captor is determined to keep her prisoner and believes he is somehow entitled to her future, but she will not surrender easily. When Adam asks for the ultimate sacrifice, she must decide if he lives or he dies. Passion and emotion collide in an explosive meeting of destined souls, but love is never guaranteed, especially when eternity begins with betrayal. Original Sin Book One in the Order of the Vampires by Lydia Michaels, on sale now for 99 cents. Go grab it, lady listeners. Welcome back to part two. We are back with another installment of Destined by Jenny Evans. She brought us a full-length book this week, so you're going to get the other half today in just a little bit. Let me tell you guys something creepy. I'm ready. I was sitting here, and we were supposed to hit record, and I'm just sitting here, and she's like, you didn't hit record. That's how well she knows my, like, (laughs) mannerism. I was like, how did you know I did? You're right. (laughs) And then we tried to do it again, and she's like, you hit it too soon. (laughs) She can't see my audacity. I know. I can't see anything on your screen. (laughs) I just know you. I, I just know your movements. I'm like, it's not. No, let's do it again. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. So, well, I'll say that kind of happened um, to me this week when I told you I went for ADD testing. And so I'll explain that in just a little bit. But so they give me a form at the end of it. And they said, you need to give this to your spouse and then someone else who knows you really well. And I was like, well, I need to be able to email this. <laughs> Can you give me a digital form? And he's like, no, all we have is paper. And I was like, I'll just screenshot it. It's fine. <laughs> but I'd like message you when it was over. And I was like, well, this is you because I talked to you or, you know, I, you know me as well as probably my husband. Yeah. So that. All right. So a few months ago, my therapist asked me if I would do ADD testing. And I was like, well, that's strange, but okay, sure. And she said, you know, I have a a lot of people who come to see me where they're experiencing depression and like, you know, a lot of other things. And, and I don't want to generalize. So this is just my experience. But, um, she said, she said, I think this might be something that maybe you've missed, you know, or has been missed for most of your life. And I was like, well, I know I'm dyslexic because I had that done when I was in fifth grade. And so she said, she asked me, she said, did anybody ever do any ADD testing? You know, I was like, well, I wasn't hyper. And she's like, well, that's different. So 
So anyway, so she did a couple of online assessments with me and she said, you know, I don't like to make um, any sort of diagnosis just based off an online test. She said, but I do think it's a good indicator for you to bring this up with your doctor. So, I mean, we, we've, have, we've been at this for a couple months, so this has been a process. So she went, uh, so she told me all the stuff. She told me everything to tell, to present to my doctor and sent me all the testing and stuff. And so I go to my general pra- practitioner, I guess, my, my, my general female doctor. And I tell her, I'm like, okay, I've been seeing a therapist. She suggested this. What do I do now? And she said, she was like, I love to hear this. I love that you've already, you know, started this process. She was like, from here, I like to do a full psych evaluation. And I don't think I realized when she said that, that I had to go see a psychiatrist. Yeah. And so like, I know this was like big leap. And I was like, shit, this is different. So I had to go to, like, a psychiatric hospital to do this. And I was like, well, the waiting room's really nice. <laughs> so, this is, doesn't it's seem very like very calming. Such... Yeah, I was like, everything's really chill. Everybody's very nice and evenly spoken. It was a little, like, Stepford wife-ish. <laughs> Where she's like, hi, welcome. So, yeah, so that whole referral process took months. I mean, this was in early December when my doctor referred me to the psychiatrist but they have such a long wait that I had to call them and I said hey my doc like a week ago I called and I said my doctor referred me to you I'm still waiting and they're like well we'll get you in for a consult next week I so, had the same thing happen with me the did you really like a month and I'm it's like, ridiculous well, they said I really need to get in yeah and like okay we can do next week oh really I wondered like what what does somebody do if they need it sooner you know my lips are really chapped I am using right now for all you 40-year-old OG babies out there, this is Clinique's Black Honey. And if you were a teen, if you were a teenager in the 90s, you had this shit. The early 90s. Like, like, uh, like, I'm serious. You had this. It's Black Honey by Clinique. It came with every free gift because it looks good on everybody. And it's it doesn't go out of style. So I'm just saying. Clinique still sells it. It's still their number one seller, by the way. It's been that way for like 30 years. Anywho's. So yeah, I, I didn't realize like it was gonna take that fucking long. And so um, so I go and the guys, it was a man, which I don't know why I didn't expect a man. I just <laughs> didn't. <laughs> but I go back. He's very calming, like his presence is so nice. I was like, this is wonderful. And then I sit down and he starts asking me these random fucking questions. He starts asking me like, were you a C-section? Were you a natural birth? Did your mom smoke when she was pregnant? And I was like, what, 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 what does all this have to do with it? But they just do like these. Uh, and he said, do you get a lot of speeding tickets? Like, like there was like, I mean, there was just random ones thrown in there, I think, to just sort of put me in check. Yeah. And I was like, my favorite color is pink. <laughs> like, so it was, it was pretty random, like how they, how they decided. But I mean, I was there for like two hours, I think maybe. And it was just, it's, uh, that was just the console. And he said, when you come back, he said, well, like I said, he sent me home with forms and he said, they're paper forms and they're confidential. He said, you just have the people fill it out, and then they put it in an envelope, and you don't read it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And so um, so I said, all right. And then um, afterwards, he said, when you come back again, he said, the next part of this is you'll come and do the evaluation. And he said, that takes three hours. 
And he said, after that, he said, that, I don't know if that's an online test or what it is, if I need to study. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good at fractions. Um, so, like, so he said that was three hours. And then so I and I bring all the paperwork back. He said, so you bring all the paperwork back. You take three-hour test. And then I bring you back in one more time. And he said, and then we go over all of your results. So I just want to tell anybody, this is the process for it. And this has taken, like, my therapist did the original online assessment probably in October, maybe-ish. And it's now the end of February. I'm not going to go back for this test until March. So I know that this may seem exhausting because it does to me. And I, I would like to know the answer to this. But it's also, I don't feel dependent on the answer. You know what I'm saying? But there are probably people out there that want to know this kind of thing. Or if it's your child or, you know, whatever it is. This is just the process. And it fucking sucks. But I just wanted to share this experience because I thought if anybody is curious at all about it, you should give it a try. But don't give up, you know, like because I feel like this could be really like a mountain to people, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, like losing weight, you know? Yeah. You got to make the first step and then keep going. Yeah. I mean, like if I would have been told in October, oh, it's going to be like at least six months, I'd probably be like, fuck it. Never mind. Yeah. But honestly, though, like now that I'm doing, I'm glad I stuck with it and I'm glad I, I kept at it because it is so important. I mean, you know, a lot of my reasons for finding this out late in life, you know, or, or work related because I worked such a busy, demanding job for so many years. And then we went into writing, you know, nonstop and working all the time. And then it took like a slowing down for me to recognize that I've got a lot of triggers that are happening that are really <laughs> fucking with me to where my therapist was like, you know what, let's step back a minute and reevaluate. You know, she said a lot of times that uh, I think I said earlier that people will come in and say that they're feeling depressed. And she said, she said, you would be surprised the amount of women that I have get tested for ADD because of that. She said, because it's it presents so differently in women to begin with. It's so different. And it turns into self-doubt and self-loathing because you're not able to handle all these things. And so suddenly, you know, something happens and there's a moment in your life where either your work stops or your situation at home changes or there's a, you know, a, a divorce or so. she said, you know, he said, it's usually an event that happens in your life that causes you to reevaluate. And that's when you realize something's different and it's not working right. And so an ADD is something that I didn't realize, like, it, you, your brain is just off and it will never work right without medicine. Like, it's not that, I, and I didn't know that. I just thought like, oh, is that one of those things like you can just not eat carbs and you're okay? And she was like, no, it's like medicated, Leah. Like, she thought I was crazy. I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, I just, I thought it was all very interesting. It's something that I'm learning a lot about. And even if I don't have this, and even in this diagnosis of something completely different or off or whatever it is, it makes me view people who have it a lot differently because I didn't realize there was so much about it that goes undiagnosed. Like, one of my close friends has it as an adult and I I didn't realize it until she like confided in me a few months ago and I was telling her I got this test done and I was like holy shit like and she's like yeah it's awful you know it's just I don't know if there's like a stigma to 
to discuss this as women or? I don't know. Maybe. There's a part of me that hates that I can't handle everything. Like, I hate myself sometimes because I can't get it all together. Like, my... Like there, my inability, and and I feel like I keep pushing myself by like scheduling and journaling and and focusing and reading books about habits and in. But at the end of the day, I hate myself for the things I didn't do, and like it's such a a destructive behavior, you know. And it's taken me like beating myself up for a long time for for my therapist, you know, from somebody outside the situation to be like, hey, um chill out (laughs) you know and so like it's it's been a it's been a long process but it's been eye-opening nonetheless even if this has nothing to do with it like I said it's just it's just been a good experience to like I don't know to see this side of of some people's lives I mean my husband has it like he has ADD but you know I even told the psychiatrist i said i'm nothing like him like (laughs) like we're total opposites with behavior and and things like that i said when he's not on his medicine he's chill i said i'm never as chill as him when he's not on his medicine okay like i've never had a day so chill in my life as him like skipping a few days off of it but you know he's like he's a boy's just he said they're so different and how genetically they they experience it which yeah, I, did, I didn't know any of that, so. I started making steps. I I was in a good place, but I would go in, like, little ruts, and I was like, okay, right now I'm in a good place. I need to start the steps to figure mm-hmm. out what's wrong. That mm-hmm. way, when this comes back up again, I'm not already in that. That's such a good idea. So I started it, and I went in, and she's like, I think you're, what did she say? bipolar she said minor bipolar or something yeah i was like uh okay and i went to the psychiatrist she's like you gotta go see this psychiatrist and he was like no that's not you we just need to slow your brain down (laughs) (laughs) so i have a pill i take at night and it's supposed to i guess it slows my brain down it's so strange to me that like it really is trial and error and you have to be your own advocate yeah because literally there's nobody else that's looking out for you you know like because a doctor it's not even i don't even feel like it's the doctor's fault half the time because they're only seeing you for a finite amount of time and they can only work with the information you give them yeah so if you're not if they're not asking the right questions or you're not coming forth with the right information then you're never going to meet in the right spot. Like, you're never going to figure that out. So you really have to keep at it. And like I said, this is such a long journey for the both of us, you know, for to us, you know, getting in the healthy place that it can be very easy to give up. But just know that you're worth it. And even, you know, on, gosh, a year and a half into therapy, it's so worth it. So worth it. Like, the other side of it is just... It's magnificent. You know, it's it's so hard to work through, but God damn, it's worth it. It's so good. Let's talk about dirty books. What are you reading? I want to know what you're reading that you were so excited that you were like, what time did we record? I was like, in an hour. And you're like, good. My book just got to a good part. I realized today when I was doing the new races that Katie Rias had a new book out. And it, oh, a new series. That- and they're novellas or whatever, so they're shorter. So I was like, this is oh, perfect. Shit. So I got it. 
and it's a second chance romance, but they've only been apart for two months and they haven't been with other people. Okay. So I got to the part where she was like telling telling him what he did that he mm. didn't know he did, and I was he's like, about to get told off. <laughs> he was about so. to get told off, wasn't he? And you're he, like, he I'm did. I wanted part. to. I wanted to hear the reason <laughs> that that happened. So I was okay. like, what is, come on, come on. Yeah. Like, this is the part I've been waiting on. And then I've uh, also been. I've noticed that I just binge read authors. Mm-hmm. I have been binge reading Olivia Turner. I don't know. Which one? She's always got the cherries on her covers. Have you ever seen oh, the Oh, I books? think that's Turner. I think. Yeah. Olivia Turner, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I've been like, I think I read like. I'm looking to see. Yeah. Olivia Turner. Okay. She always has a cherry on the front of her books. I've probably read like five or six over the weekend. They're short. I even got one yeah. in audio when I went to go play my Pokemon that I was listening to Sweet. it. Sweet. So they were just fun, cute, fast reads. Like what are they like? Candy. What kind of books are they? They're like tropey ones or something? Some of them are tropey ones that are contemporary. And then she also has shifter ones with bears. And obviously that was like my first book. Of course. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened is she had a new book in the Cherry Fall series. And I've been reading uh-huh. all of them. Oh, and really? I actually okay. think her okay. book, because I've read all of them. Her book mm-hmm. is the best book in the series so far. Oh, to my shit. opinion. You it actually was, said that about Hope Ford, too, when you were reading hers the other day. You said it was really, really good. So, I, uh, yeah. So then I went from there. I was like, oh, this is really good. And then I just went down that rabbit hole. Oh, that's awesome. So, okay. Um, I saw somebody on Instagram the other day that she said, I don't know why people are trying to make second chance romances happen. <laughs> I hate them. Like, I have to. Yeah. Even today, Rochelle was like, this one, the Cynthia Eden book is a second chance romance or they've been, they've known each other for like two years. She's like, I want to uh-huh. start it, but I'm in a bad mood. And I don't want it to piss me off. So <laughs> I went digging and I came back. I was like, you're good. She's like, oh, oh that's God, good. Thank you. That's the only way I can do second chance romance is if they yeah, haven't if been you... with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so too. I think that would piss me off. You know, it's. It's so weird, too, because there's some authors where, like, I'll forgive them anything. Isn't that weird? Like, there's some that you're just like, oh, it's okay. Like, I know you're going to make it okay. Yeah. Whatever happens, I know it's going to be all right. You know, I'm reading the the Agatar series. That, but I'm reading the new book. You know, I talked about it last week, The Court of Silver Flames. And I'm only halfway through this book. I mean, it's, it's 750 pages. But, like, the group chat for our admins on read me romance like all the girls in there are reading it or women in there sorry all the women in that group in our group text are reading it the four of us are mel's the only one's not reading it and she's in the she's in the group chat and they're all talking about different parts i'm like i'm not there yet like they probably all four three of them have probably already finished it and i'm still only halfway through it and i think i bought like four books today i'm like i don't like, who the fuck do I think I am? How dare I? <laughs> like, that's what I want to say to myself. Leah, how dare you? Like, who, when do you think you're going to read all these books? I bought four books at the bookstore this weekend. I can't help like, it either. Paperbacks. Every week when I do new releases, I always at least buy two. Oh, my God. I bought four books today. Today. 
Like Stacy Hart has a new one out, but the farm that looks cute that looks as so cute. shit. It looks cute as shit. I love her there was so a, much. But like, in your defense, this new release this week, which you guys can check out the new releases in the tab, was ginormous. <laughs> I had to it's usually massive. I have a set a number. I had to add more boxes. It was seriously like every time Nana Malone has a new her yep. East End is out today. That's the second book in her series. Um, fucking hell. Uh, I can't even think now. Willow Winners had a book. There's so many people. Willow Winners. Yes. Penelope. I'm just like, damn. One, two, three. Yes, Willow did, and K. A. Lindy did, yep. and then and then uh, like I said, A. L. Jackson had one, and then fuck, who else? What like. I, I posted up like four or five today that I was just like, well, I'm clicking all of these. I hope you're all happy. <laughs> I actually awesome. really liked A.L. Jackson's cover. It was really pretty. She exactly. always has the best covers. She like, does. And she's adorable. Like, she is. Mm-hmm. Little she like pixies. Little is what to your mom? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. But her covers are like always like a dirty contemporary like th- i feel like they could go on a bookshelf in any store but they look sexy they look really really sexy daisy hart one like that whole series that she has where it's like it's, it's like pride and paper cuts like the the like tongue-in-cheek kind of covers and stuff that she has with those they're so cute like i'm not normally one to like I wouldn't purposely grab a cartoon cover because I thought like, oh, that's the best. Like, I love those covers. Like, I'm just not really drawn to those. I'm like, oh, it's cool. Tell me about the book. You know, like, I'm not, I I wouldn't say in in general, I really go after a book because of the cover. You need things called you. Like, when I see a bear, I'm like, what? When you hear that he has traded in blueprints for coloring books, you're like, and I'm clicking. (laughs) Just so you know, that's the shit you need to put in your blurbs. Jenny (laughs) Evans is doing it right. But yeah, when I saw Stacey's covers like that, like to me, that is her. Like that's her style. You know, it's like wispy and, and sexy and but also like really beautiful. She's just, she's so cute anyways. I love her. So yeah, like it, it was a great release day. So I bought so many, even though I've got like 400 pages left to read on this fucking book. I've got this 400 pages. I need to finish my Kerrigan Burn book that, uh, the audio book that I have on pause right now. I bought four books, paperback books. I ordered, I ordered the, the Snow Queen one that you told me, the K Webster yes. one. I ordered the paperback to that. I ordered four ebooks today. Seriously, who the fuck? How dare I? (laughs) I don't know. So, I mean, what's that meme where it's like the skeleton's just laying next to its its TBR pile? It's like, that's (laughs) how I'm going to die. But I saw something the other day that said if you read all the books in your TBR, you, 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 if you do it, you finally evolve to your final form or something. (laughs) I'm never getting there. Yeah, it's like your final form is an old crotchety librarian. <laughs> Once you get through the TBR, that's what you turn into. That's your final evolve. Like so, so it's like that's why nobody ever wants to finish their TBR list. Oh, we went to McDonald's tonight. My husband he had a work function, so I was like, yes, I don't have to cook dinner. So I went and got the kids Happy Meals, and I ate cheese and crackers. But, oh shit, I need to tell you that too. I'm I meant to put a box of crackers in with your blanket, and I forgot. But you can eat this entire box of crackers from Trader Joe's and it's only like it's like 280 calories for the whole entire box and I ate it with cream cheese so anyways they had Pokemon cards in their McDonald's box tonight yeah 
They do. Have you been getting them? Like, I don't know. Do you guys do anything with the cards? My son does stuff with the cards. He hasn't realized that McDonald's is doing the Pokemon thing, so I'm not telling him. He's already obsessed with McDonald's, and he doesn't eat the Happy Meal. Uh, so he would be making me, like, get that extra and then get so I You can just like, buy the toy. It's like two bucks. You just say, I'll take a toy, oh. and it's like two bucks to add it on. I know this because my daughter was obsessed when they had the Minion, mm-hmm. came out with the collectible Minions, and my husband would go through all the drive throughs and just say, what Minion do you have? I'll take one of those, and he oh. would just buy the toy. Okay. I know, it was really cute. Yeah, so next time you go through, just say, can you throw in, a what's the toy, and then tell him to throw it in. Yeah, but I'm trying to... Sp- clean right now and you're like get oh that's McDonald's true toys. oh shit i meant to ask you about that so tell me what you're gonna do first so i, I know i mentioned last week the the cleaning woman i'm obsessed with is the amorosa cleaning on instagram and i was watching her today and she was talking about spring cleaning and then you said you texted me earlier and said you got a dumpster and that you're gonna clean out for spring cleaning i want to know what are you gonna do Peyton has so toys excited. from when he was a baby still so and his bed is too big so we're gonna break that down Mm-hmm. and throw it in the dumpster but I'm gonna do my closet and my house got finished on Saturday these holy shit this all done all done these contractors started Monday and finished on Saturday they painted the whole bottom floor everything holy and shit. ripped the floor out and put damn. it back built new brand new cabinets all along the top damn do you tell me like can you do some shit upstairs for me I was just impressed with <laughs> It was hard, like, yeah. being downstairs and working with yeah. you. I was getting headaches and stuff, but they Man, killed they it. Man, they turned it out. But they That's had to take awesome. everything out of the bottom floor, and they put it in the garage. And I'm, like, uh-huh. looking at stuff, and I'm, like, all of this needs to be thrown away. Yeah. All yeah. of that can be th- – because it was shoved in closets and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was, like, I just need a dumpster. We're getting it all out of here. And I really went through my closet. I was throwing out clothes that I haven't worn in years. I was like, I know it fits. I know you think you like it, but you don't wear it. So, yeah, gotta yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Good for you. How did it feel to get rid of clothes that you don't fit into anymore? That always feels nice. Does it? Did it feel amazing? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I have a friend that lost like 50 pounds recently. And well, I mean, she's been working on it the past year, but she really has just totally turned her life around. She was diagnosed as diabetic and she just was like, you know what? I'm going to use this as an opportunity. And she went at it in the past year. She has lost 50 pounds and she's kept it off. And so she posted a picture today of a dress she had on like two years ago. And then she put it on today and it it was like it was swimming on her. It looks so good. Like she had a bunch of bags that she was donating clothes. I was like, that just good for her, man. That was awesome. I think the one thing I've learned and people, I know people say it, but I don't think people really get it is that it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. And Mm -hmm. you have to stick with that lifestyle. Every, like, when I go to McDonald's, I don't get french fries. Maybe once in a blue moon. I just get a sandwich because it's going to fill me up. Yeah. Just things yeah. like that. I'll swap some stuff out just because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, that's how, the only way you're going to keep it off. Those everyday small decisions. Yeah. Just adding up. Yeah. I'm just so proud of you. Like, you're, you know, I know you have your own vices and, you know, you'll you'll nitpick your own decisions. But I'm just going to say, like, you, you've done amazing. Like, you have literally proved everyone who ever doubted you wrong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Eat my ass, people. <laughs> you know? Like, 
I shocked myself because I've lost like the first 50 pounds and I was like, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, yeah. And I kept going. You did. Yep. You knocked it out. You did it. And you've kept it off for what, like two years now? Yeah, I think so. Like it's been great. Yeah. You've done awesome. So proud of you. All right, let's talk about Jenny Evans before we get out of here. We're going to play uh, the second installment of Destined. Um, we read that audio or the book bio for you earlier this week. Um, remember that she's got the Raven Falls Shifter Romance series that's in Kindle Unlimited right now. And she also has a book that's coming out on March 5th, I believe. She says she's waiting for Amazon to do its thing. You know how it is. That's <laughs> what she sent to me. So she said it's also an urban fantasy romance with an arranged marriage and enemies to lovers theme so it's gotten all those little check boxes on it so i know mel has already one clicked the uh the reason to stay the uh, blueprints to coloring books (laughs) so um so be sure to check that out and we're gonna play the second installment of destin for you today and we'll see you on the other side chapter three aurora how is this happening Humans aren't supposed to be able to see their guardian. It's unheard of. But I can't deny the fact that Dante is staring right at me. His eyes roam over me, from my wings to my human-like body. He examines every part of my being. I feel his eyes on me like a caress. A caress I've longed for since the day I was assigned to him. He's looked my way a few times over the years though I knew he never really saw me. His gaze would glaze over, his mind racing with thoughts while he just happened to be facing me. Many of those times, I convinced myself that him really looking at me, really seeing me, would be all that I ever wanted. Now, I'm not so sure about that, because the reality of his penetrating gaze is more than I can take. It's like I'm burning up inside. There's a fire he's unleashing in me, Feelings I shouldn't be able to feel, but somehow do now that he's acknowledged my presence. Did you say guardian angel? He tilts his head in the way that lets me know he did hear me, though he wants to clarify. Having been around him every day for all of this time, I know each and every mannerism he has. Like how I can tell by the stiffness in his shoulders he's upset about something, and that the way he's standing away from me instead of coming closer also speaks of his unease. Though, amazingly, his eyes have held onto mine since he finished his perusal of my body. Dante never makes eye contact. His shyness rarely allows it. This version of Dante isn't shy. Not in the way he was before, at least. This Dante is bold and curious. Yes, I did say guardian angel. I've been yours since you moved to the area. While us angels can travel when someone makes a long-term change, we get reassigned. I happen to have lost my previous charge to an aggressive form of cancer right before you arrived. I'm sorry for your loss. His brows furrow at the words, almost as if he doesn't know whether or not it's appropriate. Thank you, but it's okay. Angels don't have human feelings. Lies. You feel something toward this man. Always have. I push those inner thoughts away as I sit, awaiting Dante's next move. I moved here three years ago. Yes, that's correct. 
And you've been with me every day since then? I nod, watching as he moves to lean against the back of the chair that's between us. His muscles flex, causing the urge inside me to grow. My hands itch to reach out and touch him, to see if he can feel my hands on his body. I used a lot of my power last night to bring him inside, leaving my energy stores depleted. Falling asleep was the only way to regenerate the supply. Even with the rest, there's still a hollowness inside of me that's usually fueled by the electric currents of my magic. Am I dreaming this? This can't possibly be real. Maybe my body has decided last night was too much and I'm hallucinating. Maybe the vampires were merely a dream. Dante rubs at his temples, as if the motion will make me disappear. I've got to stop watching Buffy before bed. A snort escapes as I laugh at his obsession with the show, but then I freeze. I just laughed. I've never laughed in my entire existence. My hand covers my mouth as the realization hits. There's something going on here bigger than either of us. Dante stares at me with the expression that makes me believe he understands my surprise. You just laughed. See? Captain Obvious is here. Yes, I did. I speak calmly, making sure to act as if nothing is wrong. But you said that angels don't have human emotions. Laughter would be a human emotion. So, explain to me how you just did that. Frustrated by the Inquisition, I stand, my arms spreading wide. My wings flutter from the quick movement, causing Dante's eyes to follow as if they are going to reach out and attack him. I don't know why I laughed. It doesn't make any sense. I shouldn't be visible to you. I shouldn't be feeling this. I wave my hands at my body, unable to properly communicate the way my body is betraying me. None of this makes sense. The council never speaks of this happening. It's not in the scrolls, or we'd have been informed. Back up there, babe. Council? Scrolls? Break this down for me. I feel like we are going to have to work together to figure this out. Pacing back and forth in front of him, I go over the details of both briefly. I tell him how things work without giving away too much detail. He is only human, after all. He can't know how it all works. That would cause all kinds of havoc in the supernatural realm. As it stands, I'm probably sharing too much, but I can't seem to stop. Something about Dante makes me want to share every part of my being with him. I already know most of his life. It only seems fair to bring him up to date on what mine has been like in some ways. From what I can tell, our main issue is the fact that I can see you. The other problem would be the fact that you can feel emotions, though that last part only pertains to me. Am I right so far? Yes, that's right. My body fights the desire to fidget as I face him. I concentrate hard to keep my hands loose by my side, to keep my head held high. There's a place we can go to get the answers, but it's a bit of a journey. And it could be dangerous bringing a human. I've only ever heard of supernatural beings making it inside. What's inside this place, and how much of a journey are we talking about? It's called the in-between. It's the equivalent of what you would call a bar. There's a guy there who is all-knowing. Like God? 
No, not like the human concept of God. He's less heaven and hell, more dead and undead. That's really the only divide to him. I pause at Dante's confused expression. There's more to it. I'm messing this all up. I'll clear it all up for you, but we have to get a move on. I don't want to delay us getting the answers we need. Who knows what could happen next? Dante's expression is thoughtful. Deep ridges marring the beautiful face I've stared at for three long years. A moment passes before he gives me a look that screams of determination. His massive form stands to its full height, his shoulders stiff as his head moves up and down briskly. Let's do it. Where's this place located? New Orleans. The only place you can hide magic of that power without being identified by humans. Chapter 4 Dante Flashing lights in every color greet us as we make our way down Bourbon Street. Eight hours in my old pickup truck brought us to the city that holds the answers we need. The ride was filled with my guardian angel, which is weird as fuck to think of still, telling me all about the rules and guidelines of the council. She explained that the scrolls of parchment illustrate all of the major occurrences within the world. Everything big, from 9-11 to the Berlin Wall, is listed on the scrolls. These ancient parchments also cover all instances of supernatural changes, including when the first guardian was assigned. Some scrolls aren't even opened anymore for fear of the power they hold within them. Fascinated by it all, my mind worked to catalog everything as we drove. Things I'd never even imagined to be real were true. Magic, vampires, werewolves, all of it is as real as I am. Where is this place at, anyway? Sweat beads at my temple, even though the sun has long set. We shuffle through endless bodies in various states of undress, from fully clothed to barely covered. The mass of people push me around as I try to keep up. No one else seems to notice my guardian, though I don't know how they could miss her. Watching the road the entire way here was a struggle. My eyes constantly wandered over to her. Sure, the wings are gorgeous and enticing to the eye, but they aren't what fascinated me most. It is her face and her expressions that bring feelings out in me. Feelings I've never really felt before. I want to lay claim to this woman. No, that's not right, really. She's more than that. She's an angel, a being that operates on a realm entirely against my own, a realm that I can somehow see after last night's events. Hastening my steps, I follow the path she leads us on. Something about the way she moves encourages me to follow without hesitation. Besides, I want to know what's going on as well. Ah, there you are. Her voice drifts over to me, prompting me to stop a moment before I slam into her right wing. She's facing the side of an old red and brown brick building, a loose hanging sign flickers sporadically, the word between in white neon, the only working part. Looking closely, I see the rest of the sign just doesn't seem to be working. The state of it all screams out disrepair, though my guardian seems pleased to see it. I've always wondered what this place looked like. It doesn't disappoint. 
Wait a second, you've never been here? Shaking her head, her eyes sparkle as she flits them between me and the building. How did you even know we are in the right place? I can feel it. My magic is heightened here. As she says the word magic, her eyes glow a bright white. The flash is so brief that I almost question if I really saw it. When a wave of heat flushes down my back, I turn to see what the cause could be. A large Viking-looking man moves through the still-crowded street, his gaze set on the building behind me. His eyes glow bright red, just like my attackers had. Positioning my body to protect the angel behind me, I feel my body shift into a fighting stance. Calm down, newborn. I don't want to harm your angel. Unease settles into my gut at his words. Turning to look behind me, I find her eyes wide, her expression showing the emotion warring inside of me. Let's get inside. It's the only way to get answers. Wordlessly, I follow her inside the condemned-looking building. After the first door, we find another right inside, though this one is blocked by a large, shit you not, fairy. How do I know it's a fairy? Well, the twinkling lights floating around him, the clear woodsy get-up, and the thin transparent wings behind him are all clear signs. Aurora, what brings you here? My angel's eyes widen for a brief moment, her gaze finding mine instantly. I thought you said you've never been here. I attempt to be lighthearted, though I feel jealousy rising in me at the fact this fairy-looking man knows my angel's name. The need to hurt him fills me quickly, causing me to rush at him, my forearm moving to press under his chin as I lean into his neck to cut off his air supply. I don't even know if fairies breathe like humans do, but the move is intimidating enough for me to feel some relief. Easy, newborn. I mean no harm. I know all who approach. It's the magic in the door. It reveals all. Why does everyone keep calling me a newborn? I release him slowly, hesitant still at the thought of him knowing Aurora so well. Aurora. Her name bounces around my mind, intensifying the possessiveness I feel over her. All will be answered inside. It seems that you both need a visit with Theon. He will explain what you need to know. Straightening his clothes, he pushes the door behind him open. Straight through to the back left corner. Knock three times, then say your names. Wait for his signal to enter. Following his exact instruction, we ignore all things around us. Well, I do the best I can to ignore it. The room is filled with all manner of creature, from vampires and fairies to half-shifted animals and more. I want to observe, but I want answers more. At the door, Aurora follows the instructions from the fairy. The door creaks open before she even finishes speaking my name. Our eyes meet trepidation in both of our expressions. We step into a room that appears more fitting for a 90s sitcom about voodoo and witchcraft than the location of an all-knowing being. A light flickers on, illuminating the majority of the room and changing the setting completely. What was once creepy and dark is now covered in calming rustic furniture. Welcome, Aurora and Dante. Please, make yourself comfortable. The voice speaking drowns away the anxiety inside of me. 
A calm washes over me, making my limbs loose as I fall into the chair across from a large oak desk. Aurora appears to be affected much the same way, her body slipping into the spot beside me. I'm amazed that you thought to come here so quickly. I figured you'd be a bit more delayed before you showed up looking for answers. The man leans forward from the shadows as he says the words, giving us the first clear view of his face. He looks a bit like Tom Ellis if the actor had a full beard and a man bun. He's as large as I am, his shoulders and upper body flexing as he steeples his fingers in front of his face. You know why we're here, don't you? Aurora's voice is strong and sure as she speaks. Please tell us what this means. None of it makes sense. The scrolls, the scrolls don't mean what you think they do. Please, don't speak of them here. The words are said with force, ages of anger flaring to life in his eyes as he spits them out. Calming himself with a deep breath, he places both hands on the desk. You two have done something that not even the scrolls or the almighty council could have known about. You both have changed course. Both of us? She whispers the words as if she's afraid of his answer. Yes, Aurora, both of you. You, my dear, are no longer fully an angel, and Dante here is no longer human at all. What am I then? Dread is an emotion I can say I have avoided most of my life, but the feeling sweeps in now as I wait for Theon to answer me. You are a vampire, a newborn at that. You're going to be a bit blood-hungry for a bit, and quite territorial, which explains why Arkin was faced with your wrath out front. Please explain. I don't think I am understanding this at all. Theon stands his large frame gracefully navigating around the desk to join us on this side. He sits on the edge, his body leaning back slightly as he folds his arms over his chest. His gaze sweeps over us both. Touch hands. His voice deepens, the command clear. Without thought, my hand moves over to meet Aurora's. We both move without choice, the power of this man causing us to do what he demands. At the connection of our bodies, sparks and flames grow in intensity. I stare in awe, wonder erupting inside of me. You two are faded mates. Aurora whips her hand away at his words, her fingers flexing as she brings them close to her chest. What did you say? That's not possible. Actually, it is quite possible. You see, faded mates are rare. They tend to be only found in a few strong bloodlines that tie into the olden days. My guess here would be that it comes from Aurora, since Dante here is not a natural-born vampire. But how is it possible that fate set this up? Let me ask you this, Aurora. Have things happened lately that don't make sense? Your visions changing? Feelings you couldn't explain? Things that shouldn't be happening but seem to? Aurora's eyes bore into Theon, every emotion clear on her face. She nods to him, then turns to look at me. It started when I was assigned to him, but it's only gotten more intense over the last two weeks. I'm not in tune enough with fate to know why she chose to do this, 
but I'm willing to bet that no amount of interference would have stopped Dante from being bitten. Now that he's immortal, you two are destined to be together, though you have bigger problems to face now that he's turned. Theon chuckles a bit, shaking his head as if to clear his thoughts. Damn it, Fate, you couldn't make it easy on them, could you? What does he mean, Aurora? I realize as I watch her eyes heat that it's the first time I've spoken her name aloud. The sound of it rings through my ears, bringing with it a piece I'm discovering only my angel can bring. He's speaking of the council. They won't be happy that we are two different kinds. Vampires and angels can't be together. There's no crossing of species. It's strictly forbidden. It's part of the reason faded mates don't exist anymore. Aurora looks at Theon, then back at me. She takes a deep breath before she continues. Fate doesn't believe in borders. When the council forbade it for fear of the power it could bring through offspring, there were no longer connections made across the species. She's absolutely right. There hasn't been a fated mate connection made in... Theon's eyes glow as he searches his memory. 472 years. The last pair was killed as soon as they were discovered. A gasp leaves Aurora, her body shaking as tears form in her eyes. They will come for us, won't they? No matter what, we'll always have to run. Unable to stop myself, I rise from my chair and stomp over to Aurora. I lift her quickly from her seat before I sit in it myself and drag her into my lap. Rubbing her back, I whisper calming words to her in an attempt to give her some peace. Looking over to Theon, I see his expression troubled as he watches us. It's like he's never seen another person offering comfort, like he's never seen care and affection. I have an idea. It's risky and possibly the dumbest thing I've ever done, but I can't resist a good love story. You two have all the makings of one. Your bond is already so strong in such a short time. Moving around back to his chair, he materializes a notebook out of thin air. With a deafness that speaks to having done this before, he scans each page, flipping through the notebook wildly before stopping on a particular page. Here, this will help you. Handing it to me, he sits back as he waits on my next move. I look down at a photo to find a description for a two-small-bedroom house that appears to be in the middle of the woods. Sniffling, Aurora leans forward to survey the page in my hand. What is this place? How can this help us? My tone is gruff, my frustration attempting to rise to the surface. Having Aurora in my lap evokes a desire in me that I'm having trouble stoking. I try to focus on the problem of our safety before I focus on the problem of my straining cock. Theon gives me a knowing smirk, his eyes glancing down to where my hand has taken a possessive grip on my angel's waist. What you see there is a cabin that I own. It's unlisted and secluded. You're close enough to town that one of you could go get food and items as needed. You're also far enough away that no one will happen upon you unexpectedly. You go there, and you're safe. The council won't be able to find you with the level of magic that is in the area. Why are you doing this? I study him, unsure of why he's offering to help us. 
We are simply two strangers who came to him for answers. He doesn't have to go out of his way to protect us, but he is. I want to know why. It's got to be more than he's letting on. Because, as wild as it seems, I still believe in love. I believe everyone deserves a chance if they get it. I won't let you two become victims of the Council's ancient rules. I nod to him, acknowledging his answer. If I can help, then I will. What do you say, Aurora? I can tell Dante's on board, but what about you? Her eyes peer into my soul. Well, what's left of it, anyway. What feels like forever passes before she nods her head. Before any more decisions are made, I do the one thing I've been dying to do since I started touching Aurora. Keys, Theon. I need to get my mate home to show her just how happy I am she chose me. Chapter 5 Aurora An hour away from the city brings us to the cabin Theon convinced us was safe. While I know I should trust him, I'm still so shaken by the news he gave to be thinking clearly. Fated mates, Dante and me, destined to be together. It is more than I can fathom as I watch him pull his truck into the empty patch of dirt beside the small building. Beams of logs are stacked perfectly even to create the frame of the house. There are two windows on the front from what I can tell, though admittedly it's not much as I sit unmoving in his truck. While it's not the same as Dante's apartment, the place we've both known as home for the last three years, it's not the worst we could do. Thankfully, Theon mentioned he'd send someone to retrieve some things for Dante from his house. It was mostly things that we'd need for when he had to find work or go get food. As an angel, I didn't need sustenance in the way humans did, but I wasn't going to let Dante forget about himself when he spent so much time calming my overwhelming emotions in Theon's office. We were promised that we would receive help along the way as we got settled in this new life. Seems Mr. All-Knowing has a soft spot for the two of us. Dante treads around the truck to my side, where he opens the door like the gentleman that he is. Tugging my hand forward, he practically lifts me from the truck. I'm too stunned by his show of strength to move. Just his touch alone throws off all semblance of balance that my system is used to. All those nights I watched over him, wondering what it would be like for him to hold me, for him to touch me in this way, pale in comparison to the real thing. Using the key from Theon, he unlocks the door, his strong arms carrying me over the threshold. When it closes, he clicks the lock before he turns his eyes on me. How do you feel about being my fated mate, my angel? His words cause a shiver to trail down my spine. A wicked grin covers his features as he sees my reaction. In my attempt to be bold, to finally take what I want, I run my hands up his chest and over his shoulders. The desire for him climbs as I watch his eyes light up red, a show of his passion for me. While the other vampires were evil through and through, I know that Dante isn't. His heart is pure, gentle, and kind, he wouldn't hurt anyone unless it was to protect someone he cared about. Someone like me. I've wanted you from that first day. 
I took one look at you and knew that I'd never have you. I fought it for weeks, but it wasn't long before I started to feel emotion, actual human-like emotions over you. Being your fated mate is just another part of us. It's just another reason why you're mine and I'm yours. Dante's body goes tight at my words, his muscles tensing around my small frame. Say it again, baby. Tell me you're mine. I'm yours, Dante. His mouth crashes into mine, the kiss overwhelming all of my senses. He devours me as if he's been starved for this connection, like he's craved me for as long as I have him. Our tongues duel, each of us begging, pleading for more from the other. Hands roam over body parts as clothes begin to fly across the open space. Your wings, Dante breathes the words out. I don't want to hurt you. Smiling at his sincerity, I focus on the flow of magical energy moving through my system. Hiding your wings is a trick that most angels avoid if possible. But for the number of times I've wished I could be human with Dante, I feel no shame in making them disappear for this moment. How did you do that? Awe fills his voice, his eyes wide as he rubs across my empty back, searching for the giant white wings I've worn since he realized I existed. Do you really want me to explain? Or would you like to continue what we were doing before? A yelp leaves me as my body is thrown over his shoulder. He turns around, his eyes searching the layout of the place we're now to call home. I can't tell much from upside down, his backside the only thing in my view from this angle. And what a lovely view it is. I can't believe how perfect this man is. I'm almost tempted to grab it to see how firm it really is. I don't get a chance to find out, though. Next thing I know, I'm flying through the air, my body tossed from his shoulder and onto the bed. My laugh brings a smile to his face, the first true one I've seen since this all started. Are you happy about this, Dante? I know this probably isn't what you'd planned or imagined for your life. Please, be honest with me. I won't be upset if you feel like you're stuck with me. His hands reach up to cut my face, his eyes closing as he takes in my words. When they reopen, they glow brighter than before. You were unexpected, but I'd never change a thing about us. I've always felt alone in this world. I drifted through in an attempt to figure out my purpose in this great big place. It took a vampire bite and almost dying for me to realize what that purpose is. At my quizzical expression, he runs his finger down my cheek. My skin sparks everywhere he touches, the desire in me rising with each moment he stares into my eyes. You are my purpose, my angel. You are the reason I never felt complete before now. Fate destined it, but I know I would have found you either way. You are mine. With that final declaration, he strips the last of his clothing off. His boxers are a fight to get off, the large bulge of his erection slowing him down some. His cock springs free when he finally gets naked. It ignites the fire in my lower belly again, the desire to feel him inside of me almost too much to bear. 
I'm feeling things, Dante. Things I've never felt, but I've heard humans speak of. My body, it... it aches. I need you. Please. My back arches as I feel the flames flow through my body, the intensity growing as I watch him begin to stroke himself. It's no wonder humans fall into trouble so often at the fault of their desires. These feelings are so strong, so encapsulating, that I find it difficult to focus. I'll take good care of you, my angel. Have no worry. I'll fill that emptiness inside of you. As he speaks, he stalks across the bed, his massive shoulders paving the way for the rest of his perfect body to glide over mine. He admires my body fully nude for the first time before him. The way he looks upon me is as if he's never seen anything as beautiful as me. Dipping his head down to my breast, his mouth wraps around the hardened nipple, his tongue circling it as his eyes lock on mine. Emboldened by his obvious enjoyment, I reach up to run my hands through his hair. Taking my touch as a good sign, he ventures further, his teeth grazing over my skin eliciting goosebumps in his wake. Dante, please. He looks up to me as one of his hands disappears between us. Let's see if I can get you ready for me. The huskiness of his voice only adds to the pulsing energy between us. Flame and electricity begin to fly through the air around us, the connection of our mate bond intensifying. Overcome with lust, I push his shoulders, flipping him onto his back as I rise above him. I can feel the glow in my eyes, and judging by the matching glow in Dante's, I can tell he's being overtaken by his need as well. Aligning us together, I watch his face as I sink down, my body not stopping until my hips touch his. The stretch I feel is painful, but exquisite. I long to feel him inside me this way, every day for the rest of our existence. Move, my angel. His words are almost a growl with how deep his voice has become. It gets better when you move. Rough, calloused hands meet the smooth skin of my hips as he leads me to rise and sink back down. My head tips back, a moan releasing from deep inside of me as I feel more pleasure than before. Oh, Dante, yes, I know, I feel it too. We continue, Dante leading me with his firm grip as I ride him, the pressure inside swelling with each thrust of his cock inside of me. Dante, this feel, I need you to come for me, angel. Let go and trust me to catch you while you fall. You've protected me for so long, it's my turn to protect you. With this promise, I close my eyes and focus on the feelings he brings out in me. The crash happens suddenly, unexpectedly. One moment I'm focused on the feeling of Dante's length gliding inside of me, and the next I'm catapulted over a cliff of emotion. The sensations inside of me are overwhelming to the point that I can feel my physical body begin to give out. It's okay, baby. I've got you. I told you I'd catch you. Feeling Dante's arms wrap around me bring everything back into focus. He's positioned us to where I'm now lying down beside him, our bodies draped across each other. What happened? He chuckles, 
then reaches up to run a hand down my cheek, then my neck, and still toward my breasts where he swirls around the peak that began forming the moment he reached out for me. You had your first orgasm. How did it feel? There aren't words to describe it properly. Is it always that way? I try to hide the wonder in my voice. Judging by Dante's smile, I don't do a very good job. For us, it will be. Our connection is stronger than a human would feel. That's true. Did you, um, did you feel the same? I mean, did you orgasm as well? He reaches up to kiss me, his mouth taking mine fiercely before he pulls back to look at me with sincerity in his eyes. If it were possible for angels to conceive, then we'd have about nine months to prepare for this family to grow. Wide-eyed, I stare at this man, amazed by his words. Neither of us thought to protect ourselves, our desire to mate overpowering any rational thoughts. It's never been found if my people could conceive. We don't have human urges or desires, so sex was never an issue. So you're saying, I guess we'll find out. Could be the dawning of a new era. Theon won't be happy to know we've made this all more complicated. We'll name him Godfather. He can't be mad then. I laugh at his method of finding a solution. I have a feeling that life with this man will be an adventure. Thankfully, we have an eternity to explore, to grow, and to love together. This has been Destined, the Hybrid Saga Prequel by Jenny Evans. Read for you by Avery Reed. Welcome back. Hi. So, thank you so much to Jenny Evans for bringing us Destined this week. And like I said, be sure to check her everywhere. She's doing a giveaway this week. I believe it's a $25 Amazon gift card. So, follow us on social media on how to enter to win. And be sure and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. All right. Tell so them what to I do. I think that's it. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read.